And now thank you that we can open your word once again, Father. May we gain new insight and understanding uh, when we once again hear from you, Lord, and know that your way is perfect and your word is perfect. We ask all this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. If you'll take your Bibles with me now and let's turn to uh, 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 7. We're picking up uh, our study. Once again, we're still in our series, The Steps of Elisha. And so there are, f- there are a few more uh, accounts that we are going to see in Elisha's life, but this tremendous prophet. Uh, there are so many lessons to be learned, in, uh, you know, for life through this man. And now you're going to have to go back, put your thinking caps on and go back to when we were back in chapter 6. Just as a refresher, because we're going to be looking into chapter 7. But the story, if you recall, where we left off was uh, the king of Aram was making war against Israel. And, And of course, the king of Aram sent soldiers and an army to Dothan where Elisha and his and his assistant was his servant they came to take them and you recall remember the story that the servant was scared as he looked out the door and he could see all the chariots of the the army all around ready to come down upon the little town of Dothan to take Elisha and him and then of course Elisha encouraged him, says, uh, there are more with us than are with them. There are more with us than are with them. And, and he couldn't understand. He had no understanding why that this is, uh, Elijah, why are you so, um, you know, so calm about this? And he couldn't understand it. And Elisha then prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And of course, God opened his eyes and the servant saw uh, an army uh, of, of ch- uh, chariots of fire all around outside uh, in front of their home, all around protecting them, that they were between them and the uh, Syrian army. And so this was, the, uh, this was God's protection. And so as you recall, then they came, uh, uh, Elisha then prayed again and said, Lord, strike these men, this army, with blindness. And so they all went blind, and they came down. They didn't know where they were, and Elisha says, let me take you to where you want to go. He ends up taking them to, uh, over to Samaria and takes them into the city, uh, the capital, where the king of Israel was. And he's, mar- can you, he's marching all this, this whole army of chariots in there, and they're all blind, and then finally they get there, and then the Lord restores their sight, and, but they are captive to the, to the king of Israel. And Elisha said, don't kill them, but feed them and send them back home. Well, he did that. And as you recall what happened, you know, the king of Aram was not thrilled about the whole, the whole incident. Even though his, his army was fed and sent back, he never came back with Elisha. They never came back with Elisha. They came back and uh, basically he said, they took good care of us. But he was furious. So he gathered all his army 
And now he went down to Syria with his larger army, and he surrounded, if you recall, the city of Samaria, and he laid siege on the city so that there was a famine in the city. Nobody could go in the city. Nobody could come out because the army of the Arameans were all around that city and waiting to just starve them out. And so that's where we are uh, at this point. And so the the king uh, has seen, you know, he's seen uh, the people in the city actually uh, turn to cannibalism. There, and we read some of that, which was a horrible picture to think of. But when, when, you're, when you're starving in a city and you're under siege, there's no food or anything, people go to all extremes to, to meet their hunger and to survive. And so, so now we come to uh, what's going to happen. Is God just going to allow this famine to continue, allow this siege to take place, and allow the... Um, the Assyrians, the Arameans here, to take over the city? Well, that's where we come to chapter 7, okay? So the king comes down to Elisha, king of Israel, comes down to Elisha, and he wants to really give it to Elisha. And he comes with his, uh, his messenger and his right-hand man, his officer, and he he comes into Elisha's home. Uh, he comes over to Elisha and, and says, you know, and he's, he's pretty upset. He's ready to, to really do away with Elisha. But this is what Elisha says. So look with me at verses 1 and 2. So we're only going to look at a few verses tonight uh, in chapter 7, uh, although we will cover the middle part, but we're going to look at the beginning and the end of the chapter because that's where... Uh, I felt led to focus our attention. Look at verses 1 and 2 now. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. Now there is the key statement. Listen to the word of the Lord. In other words, this is not my word, king. He's talking to the king of Israel. He's saying, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. So he says it twice. Listen to the word of the Lord, and this thus says the Lord. What I'm about to tell you comes from the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, if you recall back in chapter 6, we, we read that during the famine inside the city, people were paying exorbitant prices for for the worst kind of, of thing you could possibly eat. We talked about it. People were paying high prices just to eat eat dove dung, if you remember that. When, 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 when the siege is going on, there's no food to be found. And then someone was paying uh, exorbitant money just for uh, the head of a donkey for, as trying to get food out of that. And they paid exorbitant prices. We, you can go back and, and look at the, the high prices of, of the stuff people were, were trying to sell and that people were willing to pay to eat. But now Elisha tells the king, by this time tomorrow, so figure it out, 24 hours from now, all of a sudden the, proce- pro- the prices are going to drop on food in the city. And... Of course, uh, you know, 
humanly speaking, that would be impossible. And, you know, you, you, you drive around and you go by the gas pump, right? And, and suddenly it, it's been great to see finally the prices dropping, right? But it didn't happen overnight, did it? No, it, it, it took months. But here, Elisha is saying, by tomorrow, here's a promise that there's, there's going to be more food available for everybody that, that the prices of things are going to drop. And so look at the response now, and this is what we wanna, I want to focus on in verse 2. Okay, This is the royal officer that came with the king standing by him. He's kind of his right-hand man. Look at verse 2 together. And the royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Could this really, really be? Basically, he, this, uh, this guy, you know, is, is saying to him, I don't think so. I, he, he, basically, he's calling out Elisha and saying, you know, if the Lord, and remember, this is, uh, uh, again, the king of Israel and his, his royal officer. So they're Jews. They believe in the God of Israel. Of course, they haven't been following the God of Israel because there's been much idolatry in the northern kingdom. But he just, but he mocks, basically he mocks Elisha and says, yeah, if the Lord could make windows of heaven, how could this even be? What you are telling us is in 24 hours, this is going to happen. And then look what Elisha says at the end of verse 2 to him. Elisha responds. Then he said to him, Behold, you shall see it with your own eyes. You're going to see this miracle. But you shall not eat of it. You shall not eat of it. So Elisha is suddenly confronts this guy who's mocking God. By mocking what Elisha is saying, he's mocking God. Yeah, right. God can do this. There's no way. God can't stop a famine overnight. It's absolutely impossible. But he, and he would not believe in the promise of God. That, see, remember, Elisha is making a promise that came from God. He is God's mouthpiece to the king of Israel and saying, God is going to provide. In 24 hours, he will provide food for the people here. And this guy did not believe. He did not believe it. You know, the, the word of God. Now, we don't, we don't have prophets. Well, there are those ones that go around saying they're prophets today. But, but uh, prophets, uh, we don't have prophets today that, that go around saying uh, that here is what God exactly told me. And it's contrary to the word of God. Something that we know that, that our God gave us his promises right here. That here is everything that we can stand on. 
Everything we know, every prophecy, every word in this book is God spoke, is thus saith the Lord. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's go over to 2 Timothy together and look at chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Familiar verses, you know them quite well, but they, they tie in so perfectly with what we're studying here. Because we're, to, we're talking about the promises of God here. Okay, look what Paul writes to Timothy in verse 16. He writes, all scripture is inspired by God. And that word inspired means God breathed. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Paul is saying to Timothy, you're going into the ministry, guess what? This is all you need. The scripture. The scripture, because the scripture is the inspired word of God. It came directly from God. It's inspired as the prophets wrote it down, and, and those who were, were controlled by the Holy Spirit wrote it down, and it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, all these things. And so we know that the Scriptures are trustworthy. They've never been, they, no one could ever prove the Scriptures to be false. God never broke a promise, has he? He never will. And I can stand on these promises, just like that song says, standing on the promises of Christ my Savior. We're standing on the promises tonight. Here we see a man who basically mocked the promise of God from Elisha and says, yeah, this is really going to happen. There's no way. If God opened the, the, the windows of heaven, it couldn't happen. Could this re- thing really be? And Elisha... Uh, Elisha pinpointed this to him and said, you want to mock God? You want to mock his promises? Then something's going to happen. And let's go back now. I just want you to see that promise. Again, what we're dealing with is the inspired word of God. So back in chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7 again, the end of verse 2, Elisha said to him then, Behold, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. In other words, Elisha says, you did this to yourself. You refuse to believe. You're calling me a liar. You're calling God a liar. So basically, there is punishment that is going to come to you. You will see the miracle that I'm talking about that God is saying he's going to do. You're going to see it happen. But the food that's going to come, you're not going to eat of it. It's a, this is actually a, a prophecy that Elisha is giving this man. So, so we see this prophecy and, and of this, you know, that, that Elisha says of this royal officer, you're going to see it, but you're not going to eat of the food that when God does provide it, when this promise is fulfilled. And now the rest of the uh, chapter here of chapter 7 we know uh, <clears throat> involves the, the, 
God's victory over the enemy, over the, those that were, were uh, the Arameans that were camped all around the, the, the town. And do you recall, let's, let's just read it together, and then, then we'll get to the, to the last part of the chapter. Look at verse 3. Then there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? Because of the famine. If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. If we sit here, we will die here also. Now, therefore, come. Let us go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. Sounds like a reasonable way to think for lepers that are dying anyway, you know, because of their disease. Verse 5, And they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Arameans. And when they had come to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses and even the sound of a great army. So that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And therefore they rose, verse 7, and fled in the twilight and left their tents, their horses, their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and fled for their lives. And when the, these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent. They ate, they drank, and they carried from there silver and gold and clothes and went and hid them. And then they returned and entered another tent and carried that things from there also and went and hid them. But then they said to one another, we're not doing right. Hey, their conscience got the best of them. And so they said, this isn't right, what we're doing. This day is a day of good news, but we're keeping it silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will overtake us. So therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. And so they came, they called the gatekeepers of the city, and they told them, saying, we came to the camp of the Arameans, and behold, there was no one there. Nor the voice of a man, only horses, donkeys tied up, and all the tents just as they were. And the gatekeepers called and told it within the king's household. So basically, God did an incredible miracle in removing the enemy just by sound. Isn't that incredible? We want, sometimes we, we wonder, Lord, I don't know how you're going to answer my prayer, how you're going to you know, provide this for me that I'm, I'm praying for. How are you going to deliver me from, from my test, my trial, or whatever I'm going through? And, and sometimes we limit God. Have you ever found that? I found myself limiting God because I, I think, well, this is too, kind of too big for you. I don't see how... I can't think of a way God's going to do it. Therefore, I think it's impossible. And therefore, I, you know what happens? I start to doubt his promises. I start to doubt what I know. God said, my God shall supply a few of my needs. Is that what it says? No. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus 
Those kind of promises are there. But do I really stand upon it? And every promise that he has given. And Elisha gave that royal officer a promise saying, God's going to provide. He's going to make a way. But he says, pretty much, no way. God can't do this. God cannot do this. And oh, how our faith shrinks when we think that God can't do something. And that God cannot, can, cannot bring us out of it or, or, or bring us an answer or bring us through the fire. And so we see here that uh, God used these four lepers. They went in and they found out what had happened. And here the writer of Second Kings describes what happened that God used sounds so that he didn't God didn't need a physical army to to fight the Arameans he got rid of them simply by making them hear things that weren't there they could hear chariots they could hear horses you know they could hear like army marching and uh and, and that just the, the, the sounds in their ears caused them to turn around and run for their life. It's quite amazing. God chose to use sound to deliver the people of Israel. God's going to choose a way to deliver you and me in every aspect of our life, whatever it is. He'll choose different ways, but we leave that way with him. But I, you and I have to c- continue to say, say Lord, I believe your promises. I believe that that you have never broken a promise. And so, of course, the king of Israel comes into the camp. And uh, they they come in and they they look at all this. And people, all the people run into the camp. They plunder it. And look at verse 16. So the people went out and plundered the camp of the Arameans. Then a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Think of that miracle right there. That Elisha prophesied, this is what God says is going to happen. And so suddenly people are selling food that they got from the the, the camp of the enemy they brought into the city. Now they're selling it to people for the exact amount that Elisha said they would before any of this ever happened. These people didn't know when they were selling the food that the prices were going to come down to that. But it was dead on. God, God, all God's prophecies are perfect and accurate. And so God pro- answered that prayer in exactly what Elisha said happened and now we come back to our buddy the royal officer who doubted God in verse 17 look with me here now the king appointed the royal officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate so think of it the people are running out and in chasing after the going after the food and the gold and everything that was left in the camps so he was in charge of the gate so as he's standing by the gate look at the rest of verse 17 but the people trampled on him at the gate and he died just as the man of God had said 
who spoke when the king came down to him. And it came about just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two measures of barley for a shekel and a measure of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time at the gate of Samaria. Verse 19. Then the royal officer answered the man of God. Again, this is just uh, you know a rewind of, of what took place at the beginning of the chapter. Then the royal officer answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could this such a thing be? And Elisha said to him, Behold, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Oh, he saw it. Suddenly the camp is empty. All the people rush out. The king puts this royal officer at the gate. And he, and, and he hears what's going on, and he sees all these people bringing back all this food, carrying it in, just like Elisha said God would do, carrying all this stuff into the city. And they were running so fast, and there were so many people that he saw the answer to prayer. He saw God's promise fulfilled. But then remember, Elisha says, but you're not going to eat of the, of the blessing. And that's exactly what happened. And he got trampled on. Verse 20. And so it happened, for the people trampled on him at the gate, and he died. You know, I, this is, uh, to me, um, just a reminder of this one thing. Believe God. Believe God. I, my grandmother, Griner, uh, who lived to be about 96... But uh, I remember when I was going through a difficult time. When it was a time when I wondered, when, Lord, are you gonna? Am I ever gonna find the right woman? Am I? Am I ever, Lord? Are you gonna bring me the wife that's right, right for me? You know, and and you know, I'm getting close to 28 years old. You know, and and don't have a wife. And all my friends are getting married and everything. And, and when you're about 28, you, you start to think, oh, Lord, Lord, you, I've been praying for your choice. Oh, there, there were girls I could have, you know, that I dated that I could have married, but they wouldn't have been God's choice. And so I waited on the Lord and waited on the Lord. It kept waiting, saying, no, Lord, I know, I'll know the one when you send her, just like Isaac knew when he saw Rebecca. And so I would, in those times when I would talk to my grandmother, she was in Western Canada, 2,000 miles away, and I'd be on the phone in Philly with her. And she was getting weak, you know, and, and, uh, but, but she always, every time I talked to her on the phone and I would share my heart's burdens with my grandma, uh, she always said, said those two words. Larry, believe God. Believe God. And she lived it. She lived on the promises of God. She believed every word God said. She lived by it. She, she, uh, uh, her Bible was so worn down, but it just came, came out. Every time I talked to her over the phone, because I couldn't see her very often, she would just say, and with Larry, here's my answer to what you're going through. 
believe God. I believed God. I stood on these promises. I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting on you. You must, this is, you know, you've called me, and I believe you have someone for me, you know, but um, okay, I'm going to keep waiting. And then that is when, uh, it was not long after that, that I met my dear wife Sharon in Canada. I met her for the first time at a Bible conference. She was the pianist. I'm not going to go into the whole story because she'll kill me afterwards if I tell her this whole story. So, but, but she was the pianist for the week at the conference, the Bible conference. We were the musicians coming in for the week for special music. And I got to meet her, fell in love with her that week. I had to convince her to fall in love with me. And then a uh, long-distance relationship. And then, thank the Lord, that day came where, where we got married. And, and I look back, and, and I, I saw God's hand. And it was, it was God keeping his promises, keeping his promises. They that wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Dear Christian, when we leave here, let's keep waiting on the Lord. We're waiting for his coming, but let's wait when we don't see answers yet. But let's believe the promises of God that are here. They're given to us. We don't have time to turn to other passages, but go to Hebrews on your own. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter again. You know, about what your faith is. And, and then go to chapter 12. Well, let, in closing, let's go to chapter 12, Hebrews 12, and just close with these verses. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is after the, the writer of Hebrews, you know, lists person after person who walked by faith in their life. They had saving faith, but then the way they lived their life proved their faith. And what is faith? It's believing God, is it not? Faith is believing in what God said. And so we come to chapter 12, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, and he's, by saying that, he's talking about all the people he just wrote about in chapter 11. And those are the witnesses of faith. Since we have the, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance or weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And how do I do that? Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer is saying to us, running your race, lay aside the sin that will hold you down and keep you from running the race in a way that pleases God. And what are we to do? We are to fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. How do I fix my eyes on Jesus Christ every day? 
by fixing my eyes and my heart on the promises of God. Because I know these are true. And it's these promises speak of my Savior and what my, the promises my Savior gave me. And I can trust him. Let us run that race with our eyes fixed on him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your living word. Thank you, Lord, for all your precious promises that you've given to us. And Father, I pray that we might stand firm upon them. We might not allow the enemy to shake us in our faith. But when we believe your promises with all our heart and we walk by that faith, keeping our eyes fixed on your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we know we will have victory in our life. And we can trust you and believe that you will take care of every need until we see our Savior face to face. Thank you for encouraging our hearts tonight. Through your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.